Hey everyone, welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. It's a great to talk to you today and come to you on YouTube as well. My so-called fabulous. It's great talking to you and I am so excited to bring back a guest and what has turned out to be a very dear friend of mine too, Miss Stacy Danford with a grateful brain. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here again. Oh my goodness, this is so great. And Stacy was with me on episode number 37 and we talked about how do you cultivate happiness, right? Because you, my friend, my only friend that's a neuroscientist, I mean, that is, I am, I, I feel pretty important when I say that. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love that. I love that. So when Stacy and I met through social media, through Liz Nelson, and we instantly had an attraction. We talked on the phone. I mean, I could just tell by, you know, you can tell sometimes when you text or email or direct message somebody, you can tell. Yeah, these are my people. These are my people. <laughs> I mean, there's all these emojis going on and flowers and everything going on right there. So I am so happy to see you here. And we are starting, we're starting a series. We did such a great job. And let me tell you, Stace, the number of texts and direct messages and comments that we got from that podcast was amazing. Oh, yay. I mean, Stacy, it was like, I have a friend in Minnesota and she listens to me every week. And she said, you and Stacy, you just spoke to me. You know, we're all about the same age, uh -huh. my friend. And uh, she's like, you just spoke to me. And it was exactly what she needed to hear. And I think from all stages of life is what we need to hear. So I want to introduce you through you, The Grateful Brain is your website and your company. Yes. And you were a teacher for 25 years. Yes. Yeah. A long time. Long time. <laughs> Art teacher. The whole first life. I know. <laughs> Takes one life, right? <laughs> That's true. So you were a teacher in... We were working on the show this weekend, um, this week, and I, you know, she's like, you know what, we, I got this. I was a teacher for 25 years, and I was a teacher as well, so we did. It's, we don't have to prep that much, but what we're talking about, we have a four-part series, and we are airing these in, in October, perfect for the holidays, but it's four parts. Every Tuesday, we'll release a different one, and we are talking this week about self-love, and then we're talking about friendships. And then we're going on to significant other. And then we're ending with family, which is, again, perfect for the holidays. But we are now, what are we calling this? How to have a fabulous relationship. That's right. A fabulous relationship. So let's talk about self-love because our first one is self. And if and I don't know if I love myself sometimes. So tell me about what, why do people ask you that in your business? Yes, all the time. And I have to say, it took me probably almost five decades, I would say, to be able to say I love myself. And I can say now at 54 almost that I can look in the mirror and I'm my favorite person. You are. I am. And I can do it on days I look awesome and days I look crappy and all the ones in between. Wow. Because I've learned how to use my brain to think of myself differently. And I think people misconstrue self-love with narcissism and because that gets such a negative rap and they're not the same at all. And mm -hmm. so it's okay to love yourself. And, you know, especially people our age, when we were young, we were told, you know, don't toot your own horn and it's not right. nice to brag. So especially girls, we get a very mixed message growing up that it's not okay to talk about yourself. It's not okay to like yourself. You know, you're supposed to be seen and not heard and all those negative limiting little messages that are kind of just seep into your subconscious, mm -hmm. especially girls. And we 
don't like ourselves just pretty much naturally. And it's sad that there's research that girls starting as young as nine already don't like themselves. Oh, and no. only 4% of females age nine and over will say that they're beautiful and they like themselves. Really? 4%. 4%. You know, when you say that, I mean, at 55... <laughs> Like today, I woke up and I had so much to do. Go, 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 go. And I'm like, gosh, I just don't like myself. I don't like myself in this tizzy. Mm-hmm. And I was by myself. I mean, I, I, I did. So I, but I do love the new me. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think that that's where people get a little bit misconstrued. And because I do the same thing. And my family always says, when mom's on a deadline, everybody leave. And even this morning, my son was in there trying to talk to me while I was getting ready. And I was like, Brady. Let me just give you some advice. Never stare at a girl while she's getting ready. It makes her just yes. go slower and, you know, and, but that is a quality of my personality, not me. Okay. And that's where people need to learn to separate because I don't like that. I wait till the last minute to do things. I'm, I work well under pressure. So I think I've kind of subconsciously learned to hang in there. Oh, you've got 30 more minutes. And I always wish I had 30 back, but I mm-hmm. waited too long. And that's a quality about me, but that's not me. Right. And it's okay to love who you are and that, you know, you can be kind and generous and loving and caring. And, you know, those are who you are. Mm-hmm. And that quality is just part of your personality, but it's not the, the depth of your soul. Right. Now, do you remember back before this? Did you ever not like love yourself? Oh, I never loved myself. I I would look for really and truly 47 years of my life. um, I would look in the mirror every single day and I could tell you a hundred things that I did not like about myself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're getting fat. You're getting gray hair. You even have gray eyebrows. Like what's wrong with you? (laughs) You know, like all the things. And I remember we were challenged, um, to write 50 things that we liked about ourselves. And I'll never forget it. I did it on my 49th birthday and, or my 49th year. And it took me forever to come up with 50 things I liked about myself. I could have told you 50 I disliked in a heartbeat. And I remembered like, who does that? And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, only conceited narcissists could think of 50 things they like about themselves. And I was completely wrong. Really? Because a narcissist does not think that way. And I can explain that later. Mm-hmm. But those 50 things I still read to this day because that was in my life, probably I would say one of the top 10 most transformational things I've ever done for myself. Really? And I learned to see myself in a different way and stop looking at all the failures and the flaws and all the mistakes I've made and start looking at myself through the eyes of someone who actually liked themselves, And it was crazy things. Like I can load a dishwasher with 12 days worth of dishes. Like I'm, so I can get those suckers okay. in there. Yeah. That's one of the things I okay. put on there. Right. And I can make a bed in like 0.2 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. like boom. And I can clean my house faster than most people I know. Oh. I, I do the flight of the bumblebees. You know? <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's a cool quality. I like that quality about myself. And then it was, you know, just little things like my hair looks the same if I fix it, if I don't, if I, you know, I've got, all right, I like that quality. And so, you know, I started saying, wow, I actually have some things I like about me. I can read stuff and remember it. I learn fast, you know, those things like that, because we, we tend to focus all on looks and the things that, you know, we no longer have, you know, like 
we don't have the legs we had when we were 20. We don't have the stomach we had when we were all those things. And those really aren't what we end up with in life. We're never going to look like we did then. Mm -hmm. And it's okay because really I I was looking at some pictures of myself the other day. We found a big old box of pictures in the attic and I was going through them and I was in my thirties, my early thirties. And I was like, oh my gosh, I do not remember looking that good. I had like abs and my legs that I thought at the time were terrible. I was like, oh my God, look, I have a quad and a ham. I have all the pieces. (laughs) And now my knees slipping down my shin, you know, and my, when I jog, I feel my butt slapping the back of my thigh. You know, I'm like, wow, I would kill to have those legs back. But the problem is when I had them, mm-hmm. I did not enjoy them. Oh. I still thought they were there was something wrong with them. So I have learned to now look at my 54-year-old legs and go, you know what? When I'm 70, yeah. I'm going to wish I had those back. And we just don't enjoy where we are in the moment because we're always looking backwards. Always. At what we coulda, shoulda, woulda, and who we used to be. And I had a friend of mine one time tell me that that's the reason the rear view mirror is so much smaller than the one that we're looking at going forward, because where we're going is so much more important than where we've been. Than where we've been. And, and that I I did the same thing. I just saw some pictures the other day. Oh gosh, I was in my twenties, you know, between, you know, college and grad school. And I remember just taking myself, picking myself apart at that time. Now, a woman of eating disorder, you know, just, I, I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh, I was so fat. I was so this, picking myself apart. So I know at that phase of my life, I did not love myself for right. sure. Um, but I'm, I, you're right. I am a multitasker. I can multitask like the best. And that's one of my best qualities, I think, you know, so, but I'm going to do the 50 things. Yes. Just, I suggest everybody Everyone. do the 50 things. It was the most transforming thing. And it took me weeks to get 50. Okay. Yeah. It took me weeks and I just had it on a notebook. And every time I would think of something, I would go right. I was like, Hey, I like that about me. And I would go write that down. And I, one of the things I put on there, I remember too, is I can grow a dead plant back to life. You can. And so I would used to go buy the the ones at Walmart, you know, Mm -mm. that they'd put in the greenhouse that were like 50 cents a piece. And I was like, Oh, here we go. uh, That baby will be flourishing by next year. (laughs) I don't have a green thumb. My mother had a green thumb. I don't. It's a black. The secret is coffee. Is it? Yes. With cream like you like it? No, I do take the cream out. (laughs) But like I always make too much coffee in the morning and I have like, you know, a little bit left in my coffee pot and Mm -mm. I pour water in it and I pour it all over my plants. No. Yes. Caffeine is a stimulant for all things. You know, they put it in creams. They put it, you put it on your face. They even have like cleansing colonoscopy things with caffeine. Mm -hmm. Caffeine is a a stimulant and it'll stimulate root system and it puts things back into the plant that they don't have. Do you know how many plants you've just saved? I've saved. On this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Okay. I'm going to back you up because at 49, at 49, remind us, was that when the bomb hit? That was my, that was my bottom of the floor moment, I call it my bathroom floor. And on my 49th birthday, because my birthday is January 1st. So okay, when I was a little girl, I used to think the whole world celebrated my birthday. I was like, oh my gosh, I have a parade every year. And my mom let me think it. And I remember we had a beanbag chair and she would set me in the beanbag chair and make me, you know, my little birthday breakfast. And I got to watch my parade. (laughs) 
And then you had fireworks <laughs> the night sadly, before. Yeah. Later on when I could read, I was like, oh, oh. yeah, that's not really my party. <laughs> um, but on my 49th birthday, I remember I was like, this is going to be, I'm going to go into 50 happy. I'm going to really be proud of who I am at 50. And I decided I was going to do one wild and crazy thing every month of my 49th birthday so that when I turned 50, I had done 12 things I was really proud of. I was going to go out of my comfort zone, be daring. And two weeks later, my husband left me and Mm -hmm. I never Mm -hmm. saw it coming. I did not, I would have never in a million years Mm -hmm. saw it. And I never guessed it. I, I thought he was joking. And I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Well, after a week of sitting in the floor crying every day, I was like, this is my life. This is my life. And I have left my happiness in the hands of someone else. How did that happen? That's true. And I thought, girl, you got to get up. You got to stand up and you got to figure out how to make this your life. And this is your chance. And that's when I decided to go back to grad school and Become a neuroscientist. Oh my gosh. At 49, it's never too late. <laughs> so do you think before your, your, your ex-husband, did you love yourself then? No. No. Okay. So then you went through the process of I was reading. trying and I was reading all the books and I was doing all the stuff. And my friends call me the self-help junkie. I, I think I've literally read thousands of books about, you know, sure. learning to lie. Cause I oh, knew yeah. I didn't but I didn't hate myself. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, Oh, okay. I'm doing all right. I'm not one of those people that, you know, just walks around hating themselves. And I wasn't that, but I never looked in the mirror and saw myself as good ever, never. And I, I have learned over this journey through neuroscience that learning to love yourself is not about self-help. It's about your brain. And that's where I want people to understand that, you know, you can take every self-help book in the world and they all mean well, and and it did work for them, but there are no two brains alike in the world. It's like your thumbprint. Your brain is wired differently than anybody else in the world, even identical twins, because you process all the experiences of your life differently than anyone else. So your brain thinks differently. So those self-help books, which worked for them, may not and probably won't work for you. Now, parts of it might, but that's why science is universal. And we all have a brain. They're all wired differently. But if you learn how to use that part of your brain to change the way your brain is wired and to change the way it works, then it will work for anybody. So can you tell us how to love ourselves? Yes. How? Uh, First of all, you've got to stop talking bad about yourself. And we do it almost subconsciously. And the average person has between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day. And the problem is that 80% of those research says are negative. And 80% of what we think every day is negative. And people always tell me, oh, there's no way I think that many. And I said, okay, well, let's think about what you thought this morning when you got up. And most of us wake up in the morning, go, oh my God, I'm so tired. I wish I didn't have to go to work today. Oh, I should have got more sleep. Why did I watch that one more episode of whatever it was? Oh, we don't have anything to eat. Look Mm -hmm. at my hair. This bed, I don't have time to make the bed. Oh my gosh, my butt looks so big in these jeans. Mm -hmm. Look at these wrinkles. I need Botox, you know. And I'm like, wow, in a matter of seconds, we've already had maybe a hundred negative thoughts. 
And it happens all day long. And we think because we don't necessarily say those thoughts, we just left them in here. So we think they're not harming, but that's the biggest misconception that you will ever have. Every single thought you think is creating either an electrical or a chemical signal in your brain, every single one. And they do not go unchecked in here. And your brain knows what you think about you and you cannot out trick your brain. So you can tell the world whatever it is you want to say, but if you keep thinking how terrible you are and how much you, you know, wished you were this or that or had a different husband or a different nose or a different butt or a different life or whatever, Mm -hmm. your brain knows. Wow. And it dumps out the chemicals thereof. So it's like, oh, we don't like ourselves. Oh, good. I'll make sure to remind you of it daily because you think it 30,000 times. So your brain is, you know, no respecter of persons. It could care less. It just knows what you do every day and it does it again every day. Wow. That's the wiring system you have put in place. And it was like you were saying, like the ruts in the road. Yes. Like, you know, you're riding the ruts every single day. Every single day. Right. And it dumps out cortisol, which is, you know, a stress hormone, which makes you have belly fat. But the new research shows that cortisol actually shrinks the volume of the human brain and is even in some studies known to eat holes in the human brain. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, think about that. Chronic stress is a Mm -hmm. major problem in the world, especially in the United States. And the United States is the only developed country in the world whose life expectancy is going down. Oh no. Yes. It's gone down three years in a row. You're kidding. No, it's the only developed country and we're going down, but it's because of, they call it deaths of despair and it's alcohol, drug related, and they're all stress disorders, heart attacks, high blood pressure, stroke. All of those things are related to stress. Why people drink, why people do drugs, suicide. All of it is related to the way we think. Exactly. And stress Even if you don't get it out and you don't say anything and you don't yell, if you hold it in here, you can bet your life you're holding it in here. And, but you know, uh, my family knows the minute I'm stressed, they just know it. I mean, and I mean, I I hold it, I hold it in and I think I'm just killing inside my body because it's just, you know, and in our business, you know, it's about pleasing and, yes. and and making people happy and trying to make people happy. And you're so stressed and that just, I know it's killing. Yeah, it wears on you. Yeah. And that one thing that people can do if they are stressed, which is daily, is write it down and and let your brain let it go. Because when you write things, you your brain can release it because it's holding all of your thoughts because it's no it's thinking, okay, this is important to you. I'm going to keep it in there, keep it in there. Mm-hmm. And I'll write down, you know, I'm feeling so stressed because I've got 12 major events this week. And I'll, I'll just literally write that down. For one, it's good for me to realize what is causing me stress because I did that for a month straight. And then I realized, wow, Stacey, you over do Overdid it. Mm-hmm. every week. You overpromise so that you can do things for people at the expense of yourself and your own family. So I've gotten really good now. I limit myself to six things a week, you know, whether it be, you know, keynotes or podcasts or live events or whatever. I'm like, okay, I can do six a week without feeling the stress. Mm-hmm. Anything over that, I, I can't do because when you get become so stressed out, you're no good for yourself mm-hmm. and you're definitely no good for the people around you. Right. And we always take it out, mm-hmm. you know, on the people around us. And you have two boys and a girl and I have a daughter and I, 
ah, I just, I think about the stress and how I've taught her to behave yes, and how I'm trying to unravel yes, that. those pieces. Right. Just trying to, today I, I woke up and I, and I got your newsletter and I sent it to her and I said, if you don't read this, I'm going to read this to you because the stress and talking yourself down and mm-hmm. negative, all those things that you were just talking about is so real right now, especially more especially than ever. Especially right now, what we're yeah. going through. I know. And the the top four stressors are money, family, um, mine just went blank, money, family, health, and work. Those are the four things that create the biggest amounts of stress. Hello, 2020. Yes. Ugh. And COVID has given us all four in one fell swoop. In 2020. Yes. And so everybody is walking around stressed out right now. And then, you know, everybody's got a health crisis. The whole entire world has one. Our finances, you know, the the government economy, as well as our personal economy, people have lost jobs. People have been laid off. Then, you know, our family is completely affected because people are at home. They can't go places. People have come home from college. People are homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at all of that and you look at your work, especially like my husband's been home since March and he's an engineer, you know, working from home. Well, he he might have a conference call and I might have a conference call at the same time. And then my son's got a call. Well, we knock each other off the internet. Oh, God. You know, so little things like that that we would have never, never thought of. We are living right now in the most stress we've ever been in as, as a global society. And it is, I think, going to end up taking a toll later that is going to be a measurable toll. So it's so important that people know how to fight that. And so many people I've heard just go, you know, oh, just waiting it out, just waiting for 2020 to be over. Yeah. Like well, it's, it's not going to magically. Like it just, magically yes. gets away. And I'm, I'm, I'm so driven personally anyway, but I, I want people to realize you've got a whole quarter left. Come on, people. You've got just a little less than a hundred days. What could you do with those hundred days? Mm-hmm. You know, I could learn to think differently about myself. I could learn to, you know, make a schedule for my family. I, there's a million little things and it's the little things that change our brain. Right. And we wait for the big ones. And those are not really research does, you know, doesn't back that up. Wow. Those are not the things that create lasting effects of your brain. Right. It's the daily little things. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Greg, my husband about this, about, you know, in preparation for you and loving ourselves. How do I expect, or how does anyone expect to love me if I don't love myself? But it happens, right? Like men can love women so much or vice versa, but they're pushing, pushing away. Right. right? And I don't think, I think somebody can love you but I don't think that you can ever fully love someone else until ah. you love yourself ah. because that even our children, and that's hard for a mom because I love my kids oh. more than anything in the whole entire world. And I think that I love them as best I can. But yet I also, when I see one of my flaws in them, I catch mm-hmm. myself being snappy and start correcting them. And I think, oh, wow, Stacy, that's really about you mm-hmm. and has very little to do with them. Wow. And that's where I feel like, you know, we might can get to like 98%, but we can't get to the full 100%. 
of just loving somebody for who they are. Mm-hmm. Unconditional. Unconditionally, no matter what they weigh, no matter what job they have, no matter what spouse they pick. And part of it, you know, as a parent, we're trying to save you from our pain, mm-hmm. but we don't realize that might not be their pain. And we may be putting it onto them and giving them our pain oh, in the process. Gosh. I know it. I see. I see um, characteristics of my daughter, myself and my daughter. And I'm just like, oh, uh-huh. don't do that. How did I do that? <laughs> Don't do it. But I, I, you know, so the correct thing is for me not to correct her. Well, right? in, in, in a, maybe a different way, because I know, you know, my, my grown kids are older and then I've got a 12 year old and I, my daughter is my biggest critic and my biggest fan all at the same time. Is she? And boy, if you ever want anybody to tell you something, she will. And she does not mince words. <laughs> and she will say, mom, that's stupid. Why are you doing that? And I'm like, Oh, wait. And she'll, she'll tell me that's exactly opposite of what you say. And I'll say, okay, explain to me. And then when she explains it to me, I'm like, wow, Wow. you're right. Isn't that you're exactly right. And she is a thinker and I'm a feeler. And we used to clash, you know, sometimes as kids or when she was young and she used to tell me a long time ago when I was the mom and you were the baby, I busted your butt. And I was like, what? <laughs> no. no, but she's always been really logical and she thinks things, things through better than anybody I've ever seen. And I react emotionally and that's just how my brain's wired. So we've learned to kind of meet in the middle and I don't put my emotions off on her anymore. And she doesn't also expect me to have thought through things really well wow. because she knows I react emotionally. And so she'll tell me now, okay, mom, according to my brain, and I'll, I'll tell her the same thing. Okay. According to my brain. I love that. And we've learned it's not personal. It's not, I'm not putting my stuff over on you and you're not putting your stuff over on me. And it has been like, wow, that's great. The Phoenix rising from our relationship. What age is she now? She's 27, 27. So Kennedy's 21 and she's just beginning that phase of parenting me a little Mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. And I like it. I Uh do like it. I mean, at first I was like, really? But, um, I do like it. And she will say, because I'm so emotional and so sensitive, she will say, can I, do you want to hear this? Or I'm uh-huh. like, well, yeah, I do. Because now I do want to hear, right. you know, I, I really do want to hear what's going on. And, and it's how almost how, and I don't know that your daughters can ever truly be your best friend, but they're darn close. <laughs> I'm about to say, yeah. That's- and because I think they can never be your complete best friend because we'll always love them as a child. And so there's, you know, we, we would pick our child over our best friend if it came down to, you know, one day and one bullet, yeah, I'm saving my kid. So there's always that factor. They are still your child. But my daughter is truly one of my dearest best friends. I, I go to her all the time. I'll call her and say, okay, I need your brain. And because I know she's logical and she called me just the other day and said, okay, mom, I need your brain. And she wanted to know how to process something emotionally. And that's just really not in her. Wow. And so, but you know, we, we love each other like no other. Mm. And she moved to Florida two years ago and broke my heart, I know. but I want, you know, and I could catch myself. And that's when I really began to notice I was dumping my junk on her as she moved to Florida because I'm so emotional and I was so hurt that I wasn't going to have her there and we wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to go eat lunch and all the things. And that's just not how her brain is wired. She's like, mom, I can call you anytime. I can FaceTime you. I can see you in a matter of seconds on my phone. No. And and I was like, that's not the same. (laughs) But for me, it was hurt. 
Yes. And she said, mom, you're dumping your crap on me. And I was like, wow. Okay. And I was like, I have to let you live your life because my goal is for her to have a happy life. Mm -hmm. Not my version of a happy life. Right. Her version. Her version of a happy life. Does she love herself? Oh, yeah. Ah, you taught her well. I did. And I, I she, she always tells me that. She'll say, mom, you taught me that. And I'm like, I know, but you learned so much faster than me. <laughs> <laughs> I was 49. <laughs> and she, I remember in kindergarten, she wore two different shoes to school. And I was like, Brooklyn, people are going to make fun of you. What are you thinking? And she's like, eh, I like them both. And I just really couldn't decide. Wow. She wore it and just rocked it all day long. She slapped her pre-K teacher in the face. I'll never forget. I had to go do that little phone call. And I was like, Brooklyn, what are you thinking? And she said, they were in my personal space. And I asked her to move and she didn't. And, but she likes herself and she could care less if you do that she already does. Because now was that, has she always been that way? Pretty much, but I can say she has gotten, she has taken all of my best advice and, and worked with it because she's a, she's a nurse. So she loves science. Okay. And when I tell her something that's backed in science, she takes and runs because she, that's the way her brain works. She's very logical. She thinks it through. She's a manager of, you know, the nurses and she's the world's greatest manager. And I'm probably the world's worst. Oh, I'm the worst. Because I don't tell people what I want to say because I'm afraid I'll hurt their feelings. And Brooke will tell you, she can slice you up and then go eat a cheeseburger. Doesn't bother her not one. <laughs> but she thinks if you're messing up, you should know. Right. And which is so good in a manager. And she does it with no emotion. It's not personal. She just will tell you, like, don't ever do that again. Right. You know, and I'm like, yeah. what'd they say? What'd they say? And she what said, were they wearing? I mean, and she <laughs> said, I don't care what they said. They need to know. <gasps> is that something? Oh, I'm like, man, I wish I had that quality. Okay. So. I have that quality too. I can't say what I'm the worst manager. I do because I want everyone just to love me and, you know, but I'm not getting crap done. Uh-huh. And, um, I, but is that, does that mean that I, because I'm so worried about that, does that mean I don't, I can't love myself? What does that mean? I think part of it is the way your brain's wired. So yeah. I think there are people that are just wired more thinkers and more feelers. Yeah. And the more emotional you are, the more attached you are to other people's emotions. And so you're thinking that would hurt my feelings if somebody said that to me. So you're assuming it would hurt theirs as well. And maybe it might, and maybe it wouldn't. Yeah. And probably they'll be over it and done. Um, But I also think if we were 100% secure with who we are, we'd be able to say it and not, and know that that was for the best of all Mm -hmm. and that I wasn't really attached to the people pleasing Mm -hmm. part of myself. And I can tell you, I was addicted to people pleasing for years and years and years and years. And it's toxic. (laughs) Yes, it is. And the more I've learned to love myself, the less people pleaser I have become. Okay. And I can say no, and it doesn't bother me. And I can say, no, I'm not going to do that. Wow. And I've, you know, I've gotten to where, you know, I, I still think, oh, they're probably mad at me. But then I'm like, you know what? I have to do with what I know works best for me. Right. And I, I can't worry about Yeah. All so of that. everyone that can't say no, y'all take this to heart because yes. it's, it is it's a piece t- of self-love. It, it, yeah. I mean, it has to be because. Because if you truly loved you you could put you up there in the game, but mm-hmm. we always put other people in front. And that's mm-hmm. another misnomer that we've gotten as women. And people say, oh, they're so selfless. Well, that's not always the best thing to be. No. 
And I, when people say that, I'm like, don't, don't be that. Because I can tell you, I have taught Brooke you better love yourself, girl, because somebody else may not. And I've been in a lot of oh. terrible relationships. And if you don't love yourself, you'll tolerate so much. And I don't want that for her. And I don't want that for any girl. Right. And when you love yourself, you're not looking for someone else to fill you up because you're already full. Right. And then you can just, you know, if you think of it as a container of water or whatever, and if it's already full because you love yourself, then it can flow over to other people. Oh, I love that. But when it's way down there and you're waiting for other people to fill it up, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up, you've got your best is not being able to be given. Wow. And in, when you do give, you're giving little pieces of somebody else that filled you and somebody mm-hmm. else that filled you and somebody. So it's not even really all of you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I purposely every single morning, I sandwich my day with self-love and gratitude. And it's the first thing I do every morning. And it's the last thing I do every night. And I wake up in the morning and I say, you know, things I'm thankful for before I say my prayers, before I do anything, I sandwich my day and I'll say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so grateful for eyes that see and ears that hear and legs that take me where I want to go. And no matter what these legs look like, they can walk me anywhere I want. They've walked to a thousand ball games for my son. They have stood on the sidelines as my daughter won the national championship. They have been able to rock my kids in the chair, you know, so I look at myself differently and all the things I love. And I say every morning, you are beautiful. You are talented. You are loved. You are a child of a mighty God filled with focused energy to change the world. And I say that every single morning and it took me three years to believe it. Wow. And I I did it every single day, no matter Every morning, every morning and every night, every morning. And that is different from your praying. Yes. Yes. Very different. different. I think you told me that last time because I pray, oh, dear Lord, help Uh me. Dear Lord, please be with me today. And And you said that As if he left. Yeah. You're like... (laughs) Why, why do people say that? Where'd he go? Yeah. I know. And and you'll say, you know, please heal me. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, thank you for my healing and thank you for my health and thank you that I am here to be in this world for a purpose. Thank yeah. you that I walk every day as my best self. Wow. Because we can't be our best self if we don't love ourselves. We're a, a smaller version of ourselves. Wow. And it's so true. So let's take this to another level. And I asked you about this before because I, maybe I'm wrong. And of course I'm not in the science or medical industry, but I feel like the word narcissism is a bit overused. Yes. Is is that, and you and I have not had that conversation of if it's been overused. And now I'm not married or I don't have one in my life that I have identified. I have had one in my life. (laughs) And, um, but is it overused? Yes, I think so. I think partly it's overused because it's now kind of coming to the forefront. And so people are seeing it more often. I also think it's overused because anytime somebody does something selfish, people go, oh, they're a narcissist, you know, and that's not what narcissism is. Mm -hmm. And self-love and narcissism are not the same thing. Self-love is, is you loving yourself because you feel like you have value. Narcissism is using other people to get your love and your value. They crave recognition. They crave other people building them up. They usually will be in groups of people that are less than them. So if somebody is, say, not very handsome, then they'll, and, but they have money, 
they'll get in groups of people that don't look better than them, but get people that have less money than them. Wow. So whatever their thing is that they feel like they've got, they find people less than because then they build them up. And a narcissist has no empathy for other people's feelings and they'll use you until there is nothing left to use so that they can feel better. But they don't realize that they're doing it and they will honestly just suck you dry until there's nothing left of you to give because their personality cannot self-sustain. They're depending on you to build them up and make them look good. And they're, you know, if you're not arm candy, you're out. And if you're not telling them how great they are constantly, you're out. So self-love, I don't need anybody else to tell me I'm great. I am telling myself, I'm proud of you for what you've done. You are great, just like you are, no matter if you've got cellulite or arm jiggles or all the things. I don't count on someone else to build me up. I can build myself up. A narcissist cannot. Wow. They do not build themselves up. They always depend on others. And the thing is that they don't know it and they never will call themselves that. But if you ever are around a true narcissist, which is a mental disorder. That was my question. Yes. And they, because they don't see it. When, when healthy mental people have, like, I'll have a bad day and I'm like, man, I was not my best self today. I was barking at my kids or whatever. We recognize those things. A narcissist never does. They never see flaws in themselves. They see flaws in you. And if you wouldn't have made them mad, they wouldn't have acted like that. Or if you wouldn't have done this, then they wouldn't have done that. And it's very, very, very different than self-love. And they don't ever see that they're doing it. So it's almost, there. there is no cure. And there are people there's who, no there's no cure. There are people who go to therapy and whatever, but it, you can't correct what you don't see. Right. And that's why it's so almost impossible for them to get out of that. So is it once you're a narcissist, you're always an, are you born that way? That I don't know. And I think the research on it now is so, they're really digging into it lately because there's so many, you know, new narcissists that are coming out, you know, as celebrities and people in the world. So they're studying it a little more so than they used to. And they don't know if it's something that happened. Was it, and really what's crazy about it is a narcissist really is very, very, very insecure. They don't like themselves and they need you to tell them how great they are so that they can like themselves. So it's almost the exact opposite of what self-love really is. And they're just finding out so many different things about how a narcissist's brain works. And, and I'm excited to see, it's probably going to be 10 years before, you know, they really get a good handle on it because they never self-identify as one. So, you know, it's hard to study the brain of somebody that doesn't know that they are that. Right. That they don't admit that. Right. You know, um, I have, I know, and it's women that's calling men narcissists Uh that I know, um, that I have known in my life and I, and I dated Yes, I dated a narcissist, um, but his ex-wife told me he was a narcissist. Uh-huh. So I, maybe I, I don't he know. He probably is. <laughs> <laughs> and what's crazy is the percentage of narcissism is massively higher in men. Yeah. Way, way, way higher. And I don't know the exact percentage, but it, it's it's huge. I wonder why that yeah. is. And, and they don't know either. And they don't know if it has something to do, you know, with the chromosome makeup mm-hmm. or what it is that is as actually the cause of it. Is it a trigger that happened somewhere in your life? Were you born that way? They don't know, but it's hard to live with one. <laughs> yes. 
Absolutely. Um, I, my, my question was, and, and you answered it, can people love themselves too much? Does this make them a narcissist? No, 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 that's not it. That is all. not it at all. Because a narcissist is again, a mental condition, but it, they do not love themselves and they'll say they do. And they're all cocky. And you know, they're, I call it, they big dog, they're big dog in it everywhere mm-hmm. they go. And they've got more money and they got a bigger belt buckle and more mm-hmm. hair and more money and more cars and more girls and all the things. Probably more debt. Yeah. More debt. Yeah. Um, but they don't like themselves and they need those things to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. They, they, I've got 12 cars or they've got, you know, an airplane or they've got, you know, 600 herd of cattle, whatever it is. They need stuff to prove their worth. Wow. And self-love is, I don't need anything. You know, I, I, I can love myself on a mm-hmm. good day, a bad day in sweatpants or right. going to the opera, you know, e- either way. I like me. Yeah. You know, and. If, if you, so uh, do you have insecurities? Yes. Okay. I, and, and that's what another thing is people like, Oh, you've made it. You're never going to really make it probably unless maybe you were a child who had the benefit of somebody teaching you early and you always kind of loved yourself, but even movie stars and celebrities have insecurities and there's a big difference between insecurities and self-doubt and insecurities or more your value as a person. And you're like, oh, I don't know that I have that much value to give or how much value to offer. And one of my friends is a a confidence coach. And she said that women will not apply for a job unless they meet 90% of the you know, qualifications and a man will apply if they meet 20. Oh dear. And they, right. and then that's, you know, a real data. And they're like, yeah, I'm be perfect for that. <laughs> and women would never, we're like, never. Oh, I don't, I don't have what they want. Mm-mm. And we need, you know, 80 to 90% of it. And we're like, Oh, if, and men will negotiate oh. their salary where women, you know, Oh, that's what you're going to pay me. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. So those things are more insecurities because you're not having enough value in who you are. Self-doubt is like, oh, I don't know if I'm good at that. And I think I've screwed that up a lot in the past, but I can work on that. Mm-hmm. So it's better to have a little self-doubt than it is complete insecurities. But I can tell you my my biggest insecurities still, and which is crazy, but I know it comes from my family of origin, is being smart. And I never think I'm smart enough. And I always think I need another degree. Man, I should have got this. I should have done that. You're a freaking neuroscientist. I I mean, seriously, you make me look better. But thank you. (laughs) But for some reason, that won't soak in for me. And my granddad was a doctor and, you know, very wealthy. And I was surrounded by that as a kid. My other granddad was a brilliant and they just always instilled in me the importance of education and, and knowledge. And I would say one was wise and one was brilliant. But my granddad that was a doctor had a photographic memory and he could say on page four, bottom left-hand corner, section seven, and, you know, and as a little girl, I watched that. And I was the only girl in about five generations on that side of the family. And he used to say, this girl right here, she's going to save our name. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. And I remember so vividly because I went to a little 
podunk school that I love still to this day. Um, but I remember we had eighth grade graduation mm-hmm. back then because yeah. some people didn't go past that. Right. And I remember <laughs> <laughs> we had to make it's true. It so true. We had to make a prediction of what we wanted to be when we grew up. This is gonna really date my age, but I remember I wrote on there that they announced at the whole graduation that I wanted to be a hee haw girl. Oh no, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> wear those overalls yeah. gloom despair and agony <laughs> on me <laughs> deep dark depression i know the whole song and oh, I, no. I wanted to be that truly and i remember my granddad that was the doctor was in the audience and after it was over he came up with his suit and tie and he said stacy if this is what you want to be you will never say this again in public and i would hope when you wake up tomorrow you have different aspirations for yourself and i was like Oh yes, God. sir. <laughs> yeah, those of you that do not know what the Hee Haw show was, it was Ellen. Go Google it. Go yeah. Google the Hee Haw. Oh, my goodness. In the song. Yeah, uh-huh. she's, she's spot on on the song. We watched it every week. It was the best. Yeah. So you wanted to be a Hee Haw girl. girl. Yeah. She's not. <laughs> so sorry. Are you going to go back and check that box someday? Yeah, no. <laughs> that's, uh, a, that's so funny. So I, I re- was, was reminiscing in my mind a little bit ago. And when I was a little girl, I was probably four years old and had long brown hair and my mom would curl it and just make me up. And it was back when I was in a, from a small town as well. And I, but they would go to the, like to the drugstore and have pimento cheese uh-huh. or, ta- you know, sandwiches. Uh-huh. And people would say to me, you are so beautiful. You're so beautiful. You're such a pretty little girl. And I go, I know. <laughs> and my parents would look at me and go, what in the world? Because my daddy tells me all the time how beautiful I am. Uh-huh. I wish I had that heart or that that, that yeah, child back, back then. then. You know what I mean? But I'm going to get it back. Yes. <laughs> because what's bad is we're trained to not think that. Don't, yes. oh, don't say don't that. Don't say that. Don't say my that. Mom, yeah. Uh-huh. My mom looking at me like. So for everybody out there who's young and has a, a young daughter, don't tell them not to say that. But tell them to say, thank you so much. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. And so be proud of who you are. Yeah. And, you know, my my daughter is so funny because people tell her, you know, all the time, you're so smart. And she'll say that. I know. And I'm proud of it. Wow. I'm like, yes. Good girl. <laughs> you know, um, Kennedy and I, I, I. Kennedy's she's it's interesting because she will say, I look good today. Uh huh. My butt is popping today, uh-huh. mom. I mean, she just really is full of confidence, you know, and then she'll say, my nose is too big. I really want a uh-huh. nose job. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we got that. But remember all that. Remember so all I really stuff. do think if I have one, I would say one bit, I'm so proud because I really think my child loves herself. That's so good. And that's so and, good. And, you know, we, we're so funny that we tell them like, oh, don't say that. And I still think that sometimes I'm like, oh, Brooke, people are going to think you're so conceited. And then I just... Bite it and let it go back in because I thought, you know what? I would rather a few people that you'll probably never see again think sure. you're conceited than to you live 49 years of your life thinking you're no good. Oh, and gosh. I thought, you know, those are my two choices. Girl, rock it. I know. And we're going to talk about relationships later, but it's amazing how you really can allow yourself to wrap your happiness around Someone else. one other person. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, just like our daughters. I mean, oh, the yeah. thought of my daughter leaving, but, but, Yes. You and know, you falling apart. And that was my greatest lesson. And I truly, you know, when people are down in the dumps, I tell them, you know, I promise when this is over, you, there'll be a lesson in it if you let the lesson come. And what's bad is I know so many people that are still telling the story about something terrible that happened 20 years ago. I know. And I'm like, you're never going to get oh, past gosh. it 
if you keep reliving it. And because every time you retell a story in the misery of it, instead of the lesson of it, your brain ruminates the story and it releases the chemicals as if it were happening again. So think about all the people out there who have told the story about, you know, so-and-so that did them dirty or they messed them up on this job deal or whatever. My dad left our family when we were three. Sure. And okay, in that, in that, it's not negating the fact that it hurt and it traumatized you because that's true. But when you don't get past it, you will never get past it Mm-mm. because your brain is producing those chemicals. You know, Stacy, that's interesting because I have a friend and um, she's her husband left her probably ten years ago. Every single time I see her to this, and she's my age the same story. It's just bitter and mad at him. And her kids have chosen to go with him now because she doesn't love herself. Uh She can't get over it. She cannot get over it. She certainly can't date anyone. Can you imagine going on that date? So, you know, I just, oh, it just breaks my heart, but that's that learning. And Mm -hmm. if you're 55, can you learn that? Yes, you can. And I mean, I truly changed my life at 49. So I mean, it's not too late at all. And I can tell you like women, when they do that, they're like carrying their own poison and you're mad at that person as if your anger is going to poison them, but Mm -hmm. you're walking around with it in your own vessel and it's not going anywhere. And I think I wrote a blog a while back about set down the suitcase of your past. Yes. And we carry our past with us and it's like we're dragging, dragging the suitcase around. But when you are dragging it around, your hand is full Oh, and you don't have a hand left to go forward with your future. And what's bad women out there who are in a divorce or going through a divorce or been in a divorce, your children will probably never not love their parent. And that is statistically, you know, huge data on that. Even abused children. And I taught for so long and had so many kids that were abused. Mm. And the one thing they long for more than anything is the love of the parent, Mm -hmm. even the parent that was abusing them. So when we talk about our, our ex negatively, all it does is force your child to take up for them because that is wired in their brain. That's part of who they are. And so they will protect the person that really they might not have enjoyed or disliked their behavior. But when you continue to put it out there, put it out there, put it out there about the bad they are, they become defensive and will start protecting that person. Wow. And you're really digging your own hole. You are digging your own hole. That, that, that makes a thousand percent, of course, sense, of course. Well, and I'm hoping that everyone that's listening to this, the little boys and girls, and then the teenagers, you know, you know, Martina McBride's song, This One's For The Girl. Yes. Oh. I think we talked about this, every phase of everyone's life and people going through new business and challenges and can, you know, just the self-love. And it's so important. And I think right now, especially for teenagers, I really and truly think the 13 to 30 population is hurting the most right now because they're the most, you know, social and going and doing, and that's really been taken away from them. And I was asking my 12 year old yesterday about self-love and I was asking him some of these questions, you know, and I said, tell me what you think, you know, from your perspective as, you know, junior high. And I said, what do you think is the reason people don't love themselves? And he said, oh, 100% comparison. Wow. And I was like, you're so smart. That is so good. And I said, tell, tell me more about that. And he said, well, we look at people online and we see what they've got and we see how they act and we know we'll never have that or we won't be that. So we think we're bad. 
And I said, but do you realize the the percentages of people who have that is like probably 0.0001? Mm-hmm. Yeah, less than and, 1%. And, and he said, but we don't realize that when we see it. Mm-mm. And Mm-mm. I was like, wow. And I, he said, what do you think is makes your age people not love <laughs> yourself? And I said, you know what? Comparison. This is true. And I said, wow, Brady. I said, so smart, honey. And I said, we do it at different versions. And I said, but really people my age, especially women, we compare someone's house. Oh, their house is so much better. Man, I wish I had that. Oh my gosh, look how nice her husband is. You know, look at her butt. Look at her hair. If I just had a gym at my house, I would work out. Well, probably you wouldn't. (laughs) You know, and that's just the straight truth. And that's probably going to hurt somebody's feelings out there, but that's probably the truth. Mm -hmm. Because we all all know enough. And with Google, you can learn anything you want to know. We know how to get more money, spend less than you make. Right. We know how to lose weight, work out more than you eat. Right. We know all of these things, but we don't do them because we want a quick fix. Mm -hmm. And we are, we look at the people out there who look like they got it quick, Mm -hmm. you know, the overnight sensation. And we're like, Oh, that's what I want. Yeah. And so we start comparing ourselves to, you know, the Kardashians and the, all the people and we don't know what they've been through. And truthfully, if somebody gave you the opportunity to trade lives with them, you might not want it. Right. Because we don't know what's Mm-mm. behind the scenes. Yeah. And we just think that they've got it so great out there. Right. And and that's really not true. Not true. Comparison. I love that. Is It's the killer. It, I think it's truly the root of every negative mental wire we've got. You're right. You're white, you know, and in this influencing world, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing it this way and I got to do it that way. Uh, Then we get the stress going, you know, so it's true. It is true. And think about too, especially as an influencer, this just thought came to my mind. What we love the most about people is authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why do we not remember that when we're trying to do all the things and post and do and, you know, and I, we just talked about that while ago. And I was like, that is a killer. I mean, it's a job to do all the continual posting and all mm. this stuff, but really people want authentic. Mm-hmm. They want to know, thank you that yeah. you have cellulite. Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Hallelujah for the girls. Yeah, exactly. You know? And it's so true. We want to know you actually have a fight with your husband. We want to know you and your kids don't Mm-hmm. Wake up and, you know, run through the hills every morning with breakfast <laughs> on the table. You know, mine is get a Pop-Tart, brother. That's all we got. And, oh. you know, and some nights for dinner, like, did we not eat? All right. I feel like there's some nachos in there. Like, oh, no. Hook it up, bud. And that's just truth. Mm-hmm. But people need to know the truth. Right. And we, we, I think right now our world is developing the sugar coat syndrome is what I call it. And we're sugarcoating everything mm-hmm. to make it look good. Mm-hmm. And it's not. we're, we're really losing reality along the way. Right. That's true. That's true. Well, I just want everyone to self-love themselves. Yes. You know? First thing you need to do is make a list of 50 things you like Ugh. about yourself. I'm going to, I am going to do that. I challenge everyone to do that. You can do it. It might take some weeks. You know, you now that it. I know that it's just not on how I look and feel, right. the dishwasher, that's my ish. Ooh, man, I can do it. Even <laughs> the when laundry. I, when I was a little girl, my mom used to let me pack our car for vacations. Nice. And I was like seven. And I remember I'd get in the trunk and I would move things around because I, it was like a giant jigsaw puzzle for me and I could get it in there and my mom couldn't. And I'm great with mm-hmm. spatial relationships. And I'm like, oh, it's like a Tetris. That's the way the dishwasher is like Tetris. I know, I know 
my Greg has like five things. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Do you do? I know, let's compartmentalize. But he's the one that throws everything in the back of the trunk. And I'm like, no, 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 oh, no, no, no. You and I are kindred spirits. Yes. Okay, we're going to wrap up the uh, the self love, and we're going to go on to the next one next week. But uh, and we're doing friends. Yes. Oh, that's going to be a good one. So important. But tell us how we can find you. Okay. Uh, you can find me at my website is thegratefulbrain.com. Um, mostly I'm on Instagram and it's Stacy Danford, S-T-A-C-I-D-A-N-F-O-R-D. And I have a weekly newsletter where I send out little tips and tricks. I'm really the queen of simple strategies because I believe that's what people need to change their life. They don't need a bunch more fluff. They need to give me some tools to put in my toolbox. And you can sign up for my newsletter on my website. Now, wait. It's free. You have a Facebook group too, right? Yes. Oh, I have a, thank you. I I know, I I love it. I have a free Facebook group called The Gratitude Boost. You can sign up for that on my website also. And I go in there live and I give people little tips and tricks in there and I post videos and it's just a motivating place to be. And she is a keynote speaker, let me tell you. Virtually. Yes. Not for long, though. Not for long. That's going to end now. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, everyone, I hope you're well and keep being fabulous. 